is really good to be with you here this morning to, to feel the energy that is among us this morning. So thank you for all that you have done to make this possible. I also want to thank all those who made yesterday possible. Yesterday was our open house for the community. Uh, we had a car show and we had jumpy houses or whatever those things are called. And we had hot dogs and popcorn and all kinds of things that went on. And a lot of people put a lot of time and effort into making that happen And I want to thank you guys for that. Yesterday was a wonderful day. And thank all of you who came and who invited friends and neighbors and relatives to come be a a part of us. That is also very important that you did that. And for all of you who were in prayer about that event, I want to thank you for that as well. Um, One of the things I also need to let you know is that after services today, we're going to have a potluck over in the gym. I know that some of you probably came here not expecting to eat with us, but I want you to change your plans right now. You don't need to go to Furs or wherever you're planning on going. You need to stay and eat with us. There's lots of food. Um, I think Kathy fixed enough for like six or seven families, so I know that we can feed a lot of people, so please plan on staying after services. Share a meal with us uh, so that we can all have that fellowship together. So please make that plan right now. I should ask for a commitment, show of hands, but I won't do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your love for us. Pray, Father, that you will give us a deeper and deeper love for you and for your son, Jesus Christ. And, Father, we want to follow his example. Father, we want to be disciples of his. We want to be people who are willing to walk the same path that he walked. Father, help us to die to ourselves and to to be raised up again as new creatures Father, help us to be creatures who look like our master, Jesus Christ. And Father, we pray this in his name, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. Well, as we have been doing, we're going to start out with a Project 6K update. I know there are some people here who don't know what Project 6K is, so let me tell you real quickly. Project 6K is a Bible reading challenge. It's one that we've undertaken here at Netherwood Park as a church. We have challenged each other to read collectively at least 6,000 books of the Bible in 2016. And what we've been doing is we've been reading and we've been reporting what we've been reading and we've been tracking our progress towards our goal. And as of this morning, Netherwood Park collectively, we've read 2,290 books of the Bible. And all I can say to that is way to go. Great job. Keep it up. Uh, We're going to reach 6,000 well before the end of the year, so we may change this to Project 10K or something like that. But it's a great thing that's going on, and I appreciate the way everybody has embraced this and is reading through the Bible and immersing themselves in God's Word. I think everybody here knows that next Sunday is Easter Sunday. And I hope that everybody who is here is looking forward to Easter Sunday. I hope you're anticipating being able to focus on and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I hope that you're excited to once more peer into the empty tomb. Hope you're excited to celebrate Jesus' victory over death, his triumph over Satan and sin. I hope you're looking forward to rejoicing here together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoicing in the knowledge that the tomb is still empty, And that Jesus is alive and that he is coming back to claim his own. But I think before we rush ahead to Easter, I think we need to take a stop. I think we need to pause. I think we need to take a stop at the cross. 
Before we rush ahead to Easter, we can't look past the cross. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to stop at the cross. Why are we doing that? Well, I think Paul kind of helped us understand why we should do that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he called something the gospel of first importance. So listen to what Paul said was the gospel of first importance. He said, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Listen to what is of first importance. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. And after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, and then he appeared to all the apostles. And last of all, Paul writes, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. The gospel of first importance, that Jesus Christ died, that Jesus Christ was buried, and Jesus Christ was resurrected. See, without the cross, there would be no Easter Without the cross, there would be no resurrection. Without the cross, there would be no victory. See, we can't embrace the resurrection of Jesus Christ without first embracing the cross. We can't embrace the living Jesus Christ without first embracing his death. See, we can't embrace the empty tomb without first embracing the body that hung on the cross. And I think that for many of us, and I know for many people for thousands of years, that has been a problem, a problem of embracing the cross. See, many of us find it much easier to embrace the victory of the resurrection, much easier than it is to embrace the pain and the suffering of the cross. This has been going on for centuries. In fact, Very early on, people even had a problem with Jesus even talking about the cross. That's why we read that scripture that we read just a few moments ago. The scripture we read about Peter's response to even the idea of the cross. Jesus even talking about the cross. You'll remember that this is what happened. From that time on, Jesus was explaining to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things at the hands of the elders and the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and on the third day raised to life. And how did Peter respond to that? Peter took Jesus aside, and he began to rebuke him. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. He said, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. And I want you to know that Peter didn't have a problem with the resurrection Peter had a problem with the cross. And no wonder he had a problem with the cross. See, crosses aren't about victory. Crosses are about defeat. Crosses are about suffering. We like to think about our lords, about our kings, about our messiahs, about our our gods in certain ways. We like to think that they're always going to be triumphant. 
We can't even imagine that they might be arrested without a fight. But Jesus was. We can't even imagine that they would be tried without offering a defense. But Jesus was. We can't imagine that they would be tortured without protest. But Jesus was. And we certainly can't imagine that they would be executed without someone intervening on their behalf. But Jesus was. And to Peter's way of thinking, to the human way of thinking, the path to glory should never pass through the cross. That's unthinkable. That simply doesn't make any sense. That's completely illogical that the path to glory would pass through the cross. I mean, where's the power in that? Where's the logic in that? Where's the wisdom in that? See, to Peter's way of thinking, to the human way of thinking, embracing the cross seems to be embracing weakness. It seems to be embracing foolishness. But Peter's way of thinking and the human way of thinking, that's not God's way of thinking. It's not God's way of thinking at all. And that's why Jesus, after being rebuked by Peter, responds to Peter in this way. After Peter says, never, this will never happen to you, Jesus turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. He tells Peter that he's a stumbling block to him because he doesn't have in mind the things of God but the things of men. To Peter's way of thinking, the human way of thinking, the cross could only tell a story of weakness. It could only tell a story of foolishness. But our God authored a very different story with the cross. Our God authored the true story at the cross. And the true story of the cross is a story of God's power. The true story of the cross is the story of God's wisdom. Paul wrote these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, starting with verse 18. Listen to what Paul wrote. He said, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in his wisdom, God uh, made the world's wisdom, the world that did not know him, God pleased through the foolishness. He, he preached the Boy, I am really confused here. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. So God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Listen to what Jews demand. It says Jews demand miraculous signs. And Greeks look for wisdom. But Paul says we preach something very different. We preach Christ crucified. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God. Christ is the power of God. And Christ is the wisdom of God. 
For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. You hear what Paul's saying? He's saying the cross is a stumbling block to some. He's saying the cross is foolishness and weakness to many. But he said those of us who have embraced the cross, we should see the cross for what it really is. And what it really is is the power and the wisdom of God. So the cross is misunderstood. And I think the reason why the cross is often misunderstood as weakness and foolishness by so many people is because they look at the cross through the wrong lens. They're looking at the cross through the lens of human logic, through the lens of human wisdom. And if you look at the cross through the lens of human logic and human wisdom, it doesn't make any sense. It does appear weak. The cross does appear foolish. But I'm here to tell you that that's the wrong lens for viewing the cross. See, the power and the wisdom of the cross can only be seen, it can only be understood by looking through the lens of God's love. Only by looking through the lens of God's love. See, by looking at the cross through the lens love of God of mankind, by looking through the lens of God's love for you and me, that's when we can understand what the cross is really all about. To understand and to appreciate and to embrace the power and wisdom of the cross, we must look through the lens of God's love. I think most of you are familiar with these words in John 3.16. They're the words of Jesus Christ. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Where are my Journeyland kids that are in here? Raise your hand if you're in Journeyland. Does that sound familiar to you guys? It's one of your memory verses, isn't it? So Journeyland kids, I want you to say that memory verse with me, John 3, 16. You guys ready? Okay, here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's a good job. Now, everybody else, let's show the kids that we all know this memory verse. You ready? All together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You guys did pretty good, but the Journeyland kids were better. I just want you to know. So we're asking the question, why the cross? Why the cross? And the answer is really very simple. Why the cross? Because of God's love. That's why the cross. Why did Jesus die? Because of God's love. And so we could live. The cross doesn't make human sense. The cross does defy human logic. But the cross makes perfect sense when we view it through the lens of God's love. His love for mankind, his love for you and me. I'm going to give you a a phrase. It's a phrase that I want you to write down. It's not in your notes. It's not on the outline. But write it on that outline or write it in your Bible. Write it somewhere. Somewhere where you'll see it and you can reflect on it in the days to come. So here's the phrase. Seeing the cross 
is seeing the logic of God's love. Seeing the cross is seeing the logic of God's love. You see the logic of John 3.16? The logic is because God so loved the world, because God had that great love, he gave his one and only son. That's the logic of God's love. So let's personalize God's love. Let's ask the question, how much does God love us? Well, for God so loved the world that Jesus was accepted, Jesus was rejected, excuse me, so that we could be accepted. For God so loved the world that Jesus was rejected so we could be accepted. Even more personal, how much does God love you? For God so loved you that Jesus was rejected so that you could be accepted. You're familiar, I'm sure, with Ephesians chapter 1 where we read this. In Jesus Christ we have redemption through his blood. We have the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and all understanding. So how much does God love us? For God so loved the world that Jesus carried our sorrows so that we could have unspeakable joy. Even more personal, how much does God love you? For God so loved you that Jesus carried your sorrows so you could have unspeakable joy. How much does God love us? For God so loved the world that Jesus was punished. Jesus was punished so we could be forgiven. And even more personal, how much does God love you? For God so loved you that Jesus was punished so that you could be forgiven. How much does God love us? For God so loved the world that Jesus was wounded so that we could be healed. Even more personal, how much does God love you? For God so loved you that Jesus was wounded so that you could be healed. In Isaiah 53, we read this. Isaiah speaking about the coming Messiah. He's talking about Jesus. And Isaiah says, He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. How much does God love us? For God so loved the world that Jesus died on the cross so we could live. And more personally, how much does God love you? 
For God so loved you that Jesus died on the cross so you could live. Colossians chapter 2, we read this. He writes, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that opposed to us. He took it all away. He nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross. See, God's love at the cross brings us acceptance. God's love at the cross brings us joy. God's love at the cross brings us forgiveness. God's love at the cross brings us healing. God's love at the cross brings us eternal life. But only if we'll embrace the invitation of the cross. And the invitation of the cross is to join Jesus at the cross. See, the invitation of the cross is to come and die. Jesus bids us to come and die so we can live. See, the invitation of the cross is to come and die so we can be resurrected. That's the message that Jesus gave to his disciples. In Matthew 16, that same, same scripture we've been looking at, after Peter rejected the very thought that Jesus was going to the cross, after he said, never, after he said, no way. And then after Jesus in turn rebuked Peter, said, get behind me, Satan. Then Jesus turned to the rest of the disciples. Jesus turned to them and he told his disciples that just like his path, just like his path had to go through the cross, their path to glory also had to go through the cross. In verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone will come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for me will find it. That's the invitation of the cross. The invitation to follow Jesus, the invitation to deny ourselves, the invitation to pick up our crosses, the invitation to lose our lives. So when we look forward to our resurrection, we can't look past the cross. We can't look past the cross of Jesus that compels us, compels us out of love to pick up our crosses pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. That's what being a disciple is all about. That's what being a Christian is all about. That's what being a baptized believer is all about. Being a disciple of the resurrected Jesus Christ is all about picking up our cross and following Jesus. It's all about having a new life. And from that new life, having eternal life. But before we can embrace that new life, before we can embrace eternal life, we must embrace the cross. We must embrace the cross of Jesus and we must embrace our own crosses. Before we can embrace that life, we must embrace death. We must embrace our own death. 
Listen to these words written by Paul in Romans chapter 6. Paul's reminding the Christians then, he reminds us now, he says, Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. That's what the cross calls us to. The cross calls us to die with Jesus Christ. You know, I'm sometimes asked why we make such a big deal about baptism. And my honest answer is this. We make a big deal out of baptism because baptism is a big deal. See, being baptized, being immersed in water, being buried in water, it's a big deal. It's a big deal because that's how we respond to the invitation of the cross. See, when we walk into the water, we need to understand that we're walking in to join Jesus at the cross. We're walking in to die with Jesus. That's why baptism is a big deal. When we're going under the water, we're dying with Jesus. And we're dying to ourselves. That's why baptism is such a big deal. In the water, we're embracing the cross of Jesus. We're embracing the cross of Jesus, but we're also picking up our crosses so that we can follow Jesus, our Lord and our Master. And then the glorious thing happens. We come up out of the water We're new, we're alive, we're full of joy. We can think of it as our Easter day. We can think of it as our resurrection day. It's our day of unspeakable joy. Unspeakable joy because God so loved us that he gave us the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's why it's such a big deal. It's because of the gift that we were given, and that gift was given at the cross. So as we look forward to next week, as we look forward to Easter, as we look forward to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, let's not lose sight of the cross. Because the cross is on the road to resurrection. Without the cross, there would be no resurrection. So, my brothers and sisters, let's embrace the cross of Jesus Christ. Let's pick up our crosses and let's follow Jesus. And listen to this. Let's be filled with unspeakable joy because God so loved us that he gave us his one and only son. And that should fill us with unspeakable joy.
Also, I want you to know that if you're here and you're not on that road, if you're not on the path to resurrection, if you haven't died with Jesus, if you haven't stopped at the cross, if you haven't died to yourself, if you haven't been buried with Jesus through baptism into his death, if you haven't been buried with Jesus in baptism into his death so that just like Jesus Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so you too may have a new life. If you're not on that path, if you haven't answered the invitation of the cross, won't you make this your resurrection day? Won't you come and die? Won't you come and die so that you may live with Jesus Christ forever? Or you may be here and you just want to know more about Jesus. You may want to know more about the cross. You may want to know more about that path. Won't you let us know? Won't you let us know so that we can talk to you about that path, so that we can walk along beside you on that path, so you too may be filled with the unspeakable joy of Jesus Christ resurrected. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know? You can do that in a couple of different ways. We're going to stand and sing an invitation song. You can come to the front and let us know what your needs are. You may be more comfortable doing that in a, in a more private setting. So in our library, one of our elders is there with his wife, and they would love to talk to you about the unspeakable joy that is in their lives because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. So you can make your way to the back and ask for directions to the library. Or you can just simply grab me after our worship services, and I would love to talk to you about the resurrected Jesus Christ. Whatever your needs are, won't you let us know? While we stand up and we sing this song about Jesus together. Sing.